Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Barbara Eady. A passionate writer, speaker, and transformational mentor, Barbara is the best-selling author of Creating the Impossible, What It Takes to Bring Your Vision to Life. Described as a vision catalyst, Barbara helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs, professionals, and individuals up their game and bring their dreams to reality by connecting to their inner wisdom and authentic power. A self-described global soul, Barbara recently realized one of her own visions to climb to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro and help raise thousands of dollars for abandoned kids in Kenya. In 2017, Barbara returned to Africa to teach the principles of her book, Creating the Impossible, to children in Kenya and is in the process of developing a new curriculum to empower young people to follow their truth and consciously create their big goals and dreams. So welcome to the pod- podcast, Barb. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Ursula. It's a pleasure. So Thank you. tell us about uh, what, I mean, I know your business has really evolved over time and these this recent trip has kind of brought you to, to uh, a new clarity. Tell us about that, a little bit about your journey and, and what you see as your, your focus now. Right. Well, my business and life continues to evolve, and that's really what I help other people with. Um, we're all evolving, and as we get closer to our truth, what I call our, our truth, the reason why we're really on the planet and who we're here to serve, everything falls into place and often becomes um, much more meaningful and uh, all kinds of unexpected things happen. So when you and I met, I was doing a lot of writing and writing for other people, helping people create signature stories and doing um, copywriting and then writing uh, books of my own. And so that is my unique gift in the world, and I still am very passionate about writing. But I, uh, two years ago, went to a course called Meet Your Writer's Genius, and it happened to be in Africa. And part of the wisdom that I was guided to follow there was to write something. um, The writing I'd done in the past was perfectly, um, you know, it was high level and it was, it was great writing, but my inner guidance was to tell more of my own stories and my own transformational experiences. And that's what I really came to the world to do. And that's what was really going to serve who I was here to work with. So I, that's when I wrote creating the impossible, what it takes to bring your vision to life. And I just launched that book a year ago And from that, from that writing experience and the people I met in Africa, 
that led me to climb Kilimanjaro. That led me to meet the children at the kids' home in Africa. And that led me to a person who read my book uh, asking me to adapt these principles for children and, and return to Kenya to, to work on that. So really, from my own experience and my own evolution, as I tap into my own inner guidance and wisdom, I am able to yeah, have much more clarity on what I am able to do and the impact I want to have in the world. And so now that is what I'm doing with my clients, both adults who I'm coaching um, and in the children uh, later, as I said, working with this curriculum with them. Well, and that's so powerful that you're working with adults and with children. I, I mean, we were talking a little bit before the podcast about the kind of experience you had with kids and bringing these principles to them at this, at that early age is so incredibly empowering. Mm -hmm. And, and really, you know, when I say teaching, I'm just really reminding them of what they already know. Again, once they tap into who they truly are, right. And they are teaching me. <laughs> they, as I said, these, the children in Africa taught me so much about resiliency and um, what is true scarcity consciousness and what is true abundance cons consciousness. And it really has nothing to do with your circumstances. So they, they, they are teaching me while I'm reminding them of, that they can consciously create anything they want. How are you... Uh, how are you experiencing that, translating that experience into Western culture? Because, you know, we're so, uh, we're so materially oriented um, and kind of making that switch of, well, I have to collect more stuff versus being in a real, really uh, more of an abundance kind of mentality. How do, how do you see that unfolding in here in our culture? Right. Well, again, part in, you know, helping people create their vision, bring their vision to life. Uh, again, me helping them both connect to their own inner wisdom and, uh, and then, you know, take the inspired action to, to make that dream a reality. You know, so much of what gets in the way, right, is our belief systems and our fear. And here I've found Firstly, I am not against material wealth. It's a beautiful thing, and it's it's fine. But in Western culture, I believe so many of us fear the idea of scarcity, and we have never experienced it in terms of true, some people have, but what I'm saying, true homelessness or, or truly going without food for days or being left on the street at age three. Where the children, some of the children I was working with in Africa, the abandoned children and the orphan children, you know, lost not just to have no parents, they honestly have been left on the street at, you know, the age of four. They have been left in a corner because their parents either were unable or, quite frankly, just chose not to um, feed them or clothe them or care for them because they were looking after, you know, other children, or they honestly were in such abject poverty. So the children I was working with had truly experienced scarcity, not just the idea of not having um, enough, like their basic needs yet. 
Yet once they came to this home and are now looked after by a very conscious, loving woman who has taught them that they will always be loved and they will always be looked after. And there's 47 children in the home at the moment. But every one of those children knows that they will be looked after, that they're, you know, they will all have food, they will all have shoes, they will all have fees to be able to go to school. So when you meet them, you realize they have this incredible confidence and um, this like loving, bright nature that they don't think about um, oh my gosh, what if I'm not going to eat today? Or oh my gosh, what if I'm not going to have what I need today? They operate from an, a very abundant mindset and an abundant inner knowing, yet they may have two pairs of shoes and two sweaters and, you know, they eat a lot of rice and beans. But it's, yeah. <laughs> they have this, this abundant mindset that they're they're great. You know, you give them one balloon and you'd think you'd given them like a watch or an iPod or wow, it's what today we have balloons, today we have cake. You know, it's just it's a it's a very different um uh experience of what abundance really is. Mm-hmm. And and as I said, it's not I'm not dismissing or dissing material wealth. I'm saying there is a way to experience abundance and a truly rich life without um, a lot of material, uh, necessarily a lot of material uh, stuff. So one of the things I know you work with your clients on and and is in your writing as well as this bringing people to an awareness of that abundance of, of what is, what is their rich life really look like? And what do you, what is the impact of that? Do you think, what do you think is, how are people affected by that experience of, of discovering that and, and developing a, a relationship with that? Right. Well, I think again, it all comes back to what is your true, your authentic selves, your soul's, definition of a rich life, right? For some people, it may be millions, making millions, um, and, you know, um, working in front of uh, thousands of people or with thousands of people. For other people, their their soul's path, their rich life may be um, doing coaching or sound he- healing with small groups of women, Right. I'm just using an example of of someone recently who I was working or or speaking with. And, you know, and other people would say, well, you're you're not living big enough or you're not thinking big enough. And that's not necessarily true. That person's rich life, someone's rich life could be raising a conscious family. It could be working with small groups of women. Another person's rich life could be speaking in th- in front of thousands or, you know, building a million dollar business. But neither is right or wrong. Difference is, some, different is not wrong. It's merely different. Mm-hmm. So back to my experience in Africa, from my perception, these people without a lot of material wealth, not just the children, but the adults as well, are leading rich, meaningful satisfying lives 
the, to me, the measurement is of that is, are they happy? And they are happy. <gasps> and here people are happy leading, you know, rich, whatever, six figure lives or seven figure lives. But that the for me, the definition is, well, what is true for you? And you don't have to follow somebody else's agenda or idea of what rich looks like. And to answer your question about the impact of that, if everyone was living a life that felt true to them, that brought them happiness and fulfillment, I think the impact of that would be an entirely different world. In what way? How do you envision in it? That, in that there, if everyone was, again, had the mindset of, I am leading a rich life, I have everything I need and more, I wouldn't need to be, uh, I wouldn't need to, there'd be a lot less violence in the world. Mm. You know, there, people wouldn't be stealing or people, you know, wouldn't be in um, the mindset that we have to take more and have more. So for us to have more, we have to take from others, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the world's resources, whether it's, um, you know, power struggles, whatever, when you have what you um, need to be happy, you have no, um, you know, it's like when you're comfortable and not just in your own skin, but leading a life that is, is true for you. You don't, you don't have to, um, it's like I was saying about the kids in, in Kenya, they're not stealing from each other. They're not grabbing for more. They're not, um, you know, fighting, uh, to get the, the last whatever, because they all know that they're going to have what they need mm -hmm. and that they do have what they need. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying from a consciousness point of view, how it will change the world. You know, again, I think a lot of what we're seeing right now, leaders, um, both conscious and unconscious, are leading from a very fear-based consciousness mm -hmm. and very scarcity consciousness. You know, that we have to protect ourselves. You know, and in order to do that, quite frankly, they're, you know, violating a lot of human rights and a lot of um, doing a lot of things that are, in my mind, grossly out of integrity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is is the work that you're doing now, does it feel like something that's been within you since you were a child, or is it something that's evolved over time for you? I would say um, a little bit of both, maybe not as a child, more as a young adult. As a child, I, I um, did in some ways see myself as different. I mean, I always loved writing and reading, but yeah, there would be times when I would be interested in things kids my age weren't. And I did feel a little weird sometimes, but it, you know, I didn't see it as a bad thing. Right. <laughs> but, right. I like, okay, whatever you do your thing, I'll do mine. Um, but right. As my own life evolved and again, um, experiences happened, um, in, in my life as a young adult, you know, I was a nurse before I was a writer. So again, I've always had this um, humanitarian side to me, like truly wanting to serve people. And as a nurse, you know, I did that in a physical way. And I worked with children, I worked with premature and sick babies. And then I worked with terminally ill children. And so again, you know, I've always 
that has always been um, something that matters to me is is working and healing kids. And then later I went from, you know, a nurse, I, I had sort of, um, I'd, I'd had experiences, transformational experiences. Um, one, a very, uh, you know, dark night of the soul, um, time when I was very depressed and unhappy and thought, okay, this is not the life I want to be leading. And then I was involved in a car accident where I was almost killed and my sister was killed. We were hit by a drunk driver. But how that changed me is that I realized there is, you know, there's more I'm here to do and I have to do it now because I don't, um, I don't know how much time I'm going to have. And so that um, event was transformational in me because I, from that point on, I have always chosen to follow my heart and what I wanted to do at that moment in time in my life. And so after that accident, I um, moved from my nursing career, became a writer because I'd always wanted to be a writer. And I got an MA in journalism. And then as my writing career evolved, as I said, I moved from different types of writing. And then when I wanted to write about things that were more meaningful to me, and I thought, again, would serve other people, um, and, and to combine my own love of travel, that's when I started interviewing visionary change makers and then um, writing about my own transformational experiences. Well, one thing just led to another. You know, <laughs> if, I, if I look back, I can connect the dots. Right. You know, and sometimes, and again, that's what I believe I help other people do is I help them connect the dots to what's the next step, what's the next step. Um, but sometimes... Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to know what those dots are unless you're really unless you're really tuned in to to what it is you really want. Right. Well, and after that horrible and and very powerful experience for you, it, and things seem to have shifted so that you're sure. you're more tuned into your intuition, your inner voice. What you, what what is the the wisdom that you have within you? And um, mm -hmm. yeah, it have you have your values kind of evolved over time as well. I, I always ask about that because I think values are so foundational to impact that we tend to act out of, we all, well, we do act out of what we hold as most important and whether it's conscious or unconscious. So right. usually people, uh, they may or may not have given thought to that. I know you have, and I just would love to hear what is it that you hold as, as most important values and are those, have those become integral to your business? Yeah, I would say absolutely. My core values, certainly compassion is, is one of my core values. So as I said, you know, when I worked with kids uh, in a previous career and, and what I'm doing now, and not just children, adults as well, but also compassion for myself, you know, so compassion is a key core value of mine. So is creativity. I am a creative being, not just writing, but I love um, creating other things. And even business can be creative. You know, I mm -hmm. love ideas and I love following through on, on creating new experiences and, um, and new ways of thinking. And uh, so compassion, creativity, 
Integrity is very important to me, you know, acting from a place of wholeness. Um, and, um, and I value freedom. And that's also, I believe, what I teach or help guide other people when they create what it really is their authentic selves want to create. There's a, you know, when you, truth will set you free. When you follow your own truth, your life is so free when you are able to make choices from who you truly are and what you truly value. That for me is, is true freedom. So that's an important value. But in terms of the material world, again, I do value um, beauty and, you know, I love luxury and comfort and, um, you know, beautiful experiences as, as much as anyone else. But I find as I get older in my life, that's not as that's it's not the the core focus um, in terms of creating what I call a, a rich life, an extraordinary life. I, I can I can do that with a lot less stuff, I guess. <laughs> well, that in itself is liberating. Just to be clear, the stuff I have, I do love. <laughs> <laughs> but even knowing that is liberating. I mean, as you know, that experience I had of of getting rid of almost everything I own, it was incredibly liberating. And to know that you you can love it and enjoy it and not require it is that's a releasing thing in and of itself. Absolutely, absolutely. I. Yeah. And again, what it take, what does it take to, to make you happy? Yeah. And again, it's not a, it's not a slight, it's not against beautiful things. Like, again, I love to travel. I love, you know, it costs money to, you know, pay for airfare or stay in beautiful places or go to Africa to, you know, help children. So again, money is a beautiful thing. It's, um, money is, I believe money is energy. So I'm not against money, not at all, but there, you can, um, you know, you can have money serve you and serve others, right? So it's really what you want to do with it and how much joy money or, or material things. When I say money, whatever, whether it's material or, or cash, you know, what does that mean to you? And as you said, you can be, um, you can still have a great life and, and not, and we're surrounded by beautiful things, but you're not attached to them. Right. They're not what is um, really fueling your soul or fueling your happiness, as as lovely as they are to to have. Mm -hmm. Well, as your as your business and your um, your career has evolved, have you found that your use of time and energy has shifted? Are you doing different things now than you did, say five or ten years ago? And and what do you find is What's a great use of your time and what's what's a not good use of your time right now and where you are in your business? Right. I would say, um, yeah, saying yes to more of what I love and what I consider my genius being my unique talents and um, what only I can do in my business. For example, if it's speaking to an audience, I can't have somebody else speak for me. Right. So I, I'm I would place my time and energy on writing a keynote in my voice and, of course, me physically being there. But I've said no to a lot of the other stuff I used to do on my own um, 
you know, feeling that again, I was one of those lone rangers, got to do it all myself, <laughs> especially the online stuff, which isn't my, um, I mean, I mean the tech stuff and it's not, I'm not afraid of it. It's not that I can't handle it. It's not the best use of my time. Mm-hmm. So I've hired, um, you know, an online and she's more than a virtual assistant. She's really like an online manager and, and again, very much resonates with my values and, you know, is building her own career. Anyway, um, so I am saying no in terms of spending time on the things that are not my, what I call my genius, my great, you know, that I can do easily. And that's my skill set. I'm handing that off to other people. And I'm even saying no to things that may be good, but not great. Mm. I wasn't a book, good to great, you know, so you have to say yeah. no to good to, to achieve the great. And so, you know, whether it's networking opportunities, quite frankly, whether it's working with people who don't, aren't really my ideal clients, or they don't really resonate with what I do, I'm not going to, you know, pursue them. I'm not going to spend energy. I don't spend any energy chasing. It's, um, I spend more energy attracting, um, and being in places and connecting with people who, who both are, you know, right for me and I am right for them in terms of where they want to go next. Um, so I'd say, yeah, my time and energy is much more focused. And I do, I give myself time for self-care. Like I'm not, you know, one of those people I'll sleep when I'm dead. I always say to them, <laughs> well, I always say to them, well, that might come sooner than you expect. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, so I, you know, I rest when I need to rest. I meditate um, and not for hours, you know, 15 minutes a day. But I do like to start my day tapping into, um, yeah, the calm and again, focused intention is what I call it. What, what do I, what is going to serve me today? Where do I need to put my time and energy first and then things that are less of a priority. And I walk, I walk, I live in Victoria on Canada's West coast. So I walk by the ocean every day. Cause again, that connects me to nature. It grounds me. It makes me calm. And I find I have a much, um, my day flows much differently than if I don't take that time to do those things. Yeah. And that's such a powerful thing to be out in nature. It's uh, incredible, wonderful that you have that access so readily. And we all do in our mm-hmm. own ways, but Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a is there an example you can think of as, well, here's an issue or a problem that I've, an obstacle I've bumped up against and wow, it just really threw me, but I was able to work through it. Is there a story you'd be willing to share around that? I always think it's helpful for people to hear, okay, you know, it's, it's not just me. There's, there's other people having problems out there and, but they can be, they can be worked through and tell us a bit about how, how your internal process was for that too. Right. An obstacle or struggle that I worked through. Well, okay. I think for me recently, um, again, as everything evolves, uh, speaking, you know, finding my own voice and, um, finding places that are the best, uh, uses of, uh, 
of, of me finding my own voice and me being courageous enough to um, talk about the things I wouldn't necessarily uh, want to give voice to. It's one thing to put things in writing. It's another to speak about them publicly. And when I say obstacles or the struggle around that, I, I found like in the last year, I thought, oh, you know, speak here and I'll speak to these groups and I'll speak to that. And I thought it would be so much easier, quite frankly. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I did. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll start here. I'll start with this group. And, and they just weren't connecting, you know, and in terms of struggle, I just was not enrolling. As I said, people who I thought, oh, these people will want to work with me and these people will see what I'm doing and they'll totally get it. And, um, and this will be a great place for, again, not just for me to grow my voice, but grow my client base and grow my business. And then it was just like, oh, this just is not, this just is not it, you know, um, in terms of sometimes the audiences were small, sometimes they were just, um, a few people would resonate, but the rest were kind of like, you know, just blank stares. And, um, but I kept going in terms of how I faced the obstacle. I just kept going, meaning, okay, that one didn't have the outcome I expected. But again, I would tune in. I, you know, I fall, I do follow my own um, advice or teaching. I would tune in to my own guidance and say, what was that about? And it was like, well, you know, you have to be clearer about your intention, Barb. And, you know, it's all about vibration. So put that fear, you know, even if it's running unconsciously, ah, that people aren't just going to get me or, you know, I'm not really enough. You know, I just, I'm not really great at this. I'll go out and talk to people, but I'm not really great at this. All those things, all those beliefs that run, that we're not even conscious that are running. Well, then that is what creates our experience, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, tuned into okay what is actually running in my subconscious that these are the experiences I'm creating and as I got clearer and clearer about that and was able to release those fears I don't what I tell people is I don't say deny your fear but I also say don't embrace it I say just acknowledge it and don't give it any power acknowledge it and put it in the back seat but don't let it drive just, you know, let your soul drive, focus on your vision, focus on what you do want to create. And then what I call embrace the mystery, embrace what could happen, what will happen when, um, yeah, fear, your fear has no power. It, it can just, it can be there, but it has no power. And so when I started doing that, I started attracting audiences that were much more resonant with me and what I'm doing. And not just, you know, speaking to people one-on-one in in Africa. And I was on a, a safari called a Soul Immersion Safari, which was totally with a like-minded group of people. And recently I've attracted a speaking engagement with someone here in Victoria who has a meetup group called Inspired Victoria. And it's all, he brings in key speakers in, in Victoria, like literally in our backyard or you know, the Pacific West Coast, you know, doing very inspiring things, whether it's in business or in their organizations or whatever, or in their lives. And um, so his, 
meetup group, his list is, you know, 1,500 people, but his events where people come live to hear the speakers are about 65 people usually. But I realized this is totally, this is my tribe. These are my people. (laughs) And, And so... You know, I've had a conversation with him and he wants to do a bigger event uh, about, you know, inspiring women, like more of like a summit. And that's happening earlier next year. And he wants to me to be a speaker um, for that event. And, and so whether it's speaking to groups and audiences or just having coffee, he also um, invited a friend of his to have coffee with us. And she was totally interested in what I'm doing and, you know, maybe interested in my coaching program, which again is all, I call it soul ignition back to, you know, igniting what someone's true soul's call to adventure is. But anyway, so people, what I'm saying, Ursula, are now coming to me with much more ease than me going out and trying to sort of force, <laughs> force my message. Which oh, is so, it's so baby. tempting to do that when you're doing yeah. marketing is to, okay, I have to like drive people to my website. I mean, the, even the language is just drives me yeah. crazy. It's, yeah. it's very forceful in the sense of making people, trying to make people do something that you want them to do. And it's... Yeah. It, yeah. And I really liked what you said about let your soul drive. That is such a great, that's such a great quote. So, yeah. If you, if you had one piece of advice or, or insight you'd share with another business owner who's saying, I, I want to have impact. I want to really make a positive difference with the work that I'm doing and my, and with my own life. What would you say to them about that? Well, what would you share with yeah. them? Mm-hmm. I would say what I say to everybody in whether it's business or life relationships, to me, they're all intertwined, intertwined, right? But I know we're talking specifically about business here. And that is follow your heart's intelligence. And I don't mean that in some kind of airy fairy new age way. Oh, follow your heart. You know, like it's some wishful thinking, like it's a Disney movie. No, I mean, your heart has its own intelligence and that is science that is not um as i said just new age wishful thinking your heart actually has an electromagnetic energy that communicates with your mind with your brain the same way your brain sends um messages to your body and when you as as you said you know let your soul drive when you focus on your heart's intelligence, which really is your authentic self and what you're here to do. And that could be have a real estate business. It doesn't mean you have to be a massage therapist or, uh, you know, uh, someone who teaches people to tap into their intuition. You know, they could be very um, seemingly left brain practical things. But when they come from your heart's intelligence and your truth, then they have a different energy um, and and they are, you know, that is your mission. So maybe your, your business, um, which could be, as I said, anything, uh, whether it's real estate or law or, you know, healthcare, it could be any of those things. But it has to be true for, for what your really, your mission is in the world and um 
And you can apply that to anything. As I said, we can do anything. Well, look at entrepreneurship. You know, that is, uh, it can be very mission and um, social enterprise driven. And again, I'm not saying everybody has to work with kids in Africa or be have this big humanitarian component. But it, I believe, have do what's true for you. What's your soul's agenda, not somebody else's? Well, and you, and I mean, the title of what you, that your work is, Soul Ignition, Call to Adventure. That adventure component is such an important thing to think of. It's it's not necessarily that it's some proscribed thing it's an adventure of discovery and learning and and that takes in all of that that you talked about so yeah barb i thank you so much for joining us today i you've really brought some wonderful concepts um, in our conversation about finding um a life that is rich and meaningful and satisfying through listening to your heart's intelligence, following your heart's intelligence. It's such a powerful message for uh, people that are, are finding their way. And uh, there's no path for that. It's, it's really the adventure of following whatever that is for them. So thank you for sharing all of that with us today. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ursula, for the opportunity. And thank you for all the great work you're doing. You know, you're the work alchemist. (laughs) You're turning, you know, lead into gold. You know, that's what alchemy is, right? And our, you know, our, what we really want to do in the world is our gold, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, And if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, my website is uh, an easy place to to find um, more information about my writing and my books and services. So that is www.barbaraedie, and edie is E-D-I-E dot com. So barbaraedie.com. And I always am happy to connect with people on Facebook. Uh, and again, that's my business page is Barbara Edie. Um, slash author on on Facebook, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Barb. And um, yeah, thank you again for the work you're doing in the world. It's uh, it's powerful stuff, and we really need it now. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Ursula. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.